Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to today's episode. We're going to talk to Dan Yingis, who is an international keynote speaker who believes that a remarkable customer experience can be your best marketing. He's also an author. And in this episode, he shares his experience marketing his books. Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Dan is the author of two books, The Experience Maker and Winning at Social Customer Care, and is the host of two shows, The Experience This Podcast and The Experience Maker LinkedIn Live Show. So welcome, Dan, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Dan, tell us first about your first book. I know you co-authored that with Jay Bear. Well, no, actually, Jay wrote the forward to the book. So I wrote the book, but he wrote the forward at the beginning. And that book was really a culmination of a lot of work that I had done in corporate America. I had, I had managed three social media teams and really had focused on the service element of social media more than the marketing element, even though I'm a marketer at heart. I never did really like social as a marketing channel. I still don't, but I think it is the best engagement channel. And I really was caught by how customers were using it and how it gave them a voice to express their satisfaction with the companies, to express their dissatisfaction with companies. And very quickly, how companies had to assemble teams to be responsive and to be there in social media where their customers were. So I found that to be really fascinating. Uh, interesting thing about that book, uh, since I know a lot of your audience might be considering writing a book, I was still working full-time when I wrote that one. And my boss had us going through a like a HR exercise, like one of these, like, uh, let's set some personal goals and that sort of thing. And I admit, I sort of rolled my eyes at it. I, I was like, let's just get through this. And he said, you know, he asked his whole team, I want you to write down a personal goal. So I wrote down, okay, I want to write a book. And then he kind of surprised us. He said, all right, for the next 45 minutes, I want you to write down the steps that you need to take to accomplish this goal. And I sort of looked around and like, like, oh, well, we're stuck here for 45 <laughs> minutes. So I might as well sit down and do this. And what was fascinating is after that time, I, after I wrote down that list, I said to myself, man, I could actually do this. This is, I think I can accomplish this. This doesn't seem nearly as hard as it did 45 minutes ago. And so I thanked him in my book, in my first book, uh, for inspiring me to actually go and do it. So was it at the time your plan that you would then start your own business or did that come later? It came later. It was always sort of a dream of mine, but for a while, I it was what I would call a side hustle. I was working full time and I was still doing some things on the side that were interesting to me. The going off on my own, you know, I'm a believer that kind of sometimes the universe has to make these decisions for you. And I ended up in the right place at the right time where it finally made sense for me to go do it. And it was a little less risky. Then uh, had I just decided one day, I, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to go work for myself. And so I needed the universe and the stars to align a little bit. But once they did, I've been you know happier doing this than I've been at really any other role. And as I like to joke with people, uh, I love working for the Dan better than I liked working for the man. 
<laughs> yeah, I also think I have the best boss ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to round that up, writing the book, did that give you that momentum then to turn your side hustle into a full-time business? And how did it do so? Yeah, it um, it definitely helped. I think it it is a credibility factor that is really hard to beat. And what I certainly found with the second book, which we'll get to in a minute, is that you know it basically becomes a energized business card. You know, I I give the book to anybody that I can, anybody that I meet with, a prospect that I meet with, and it's a credibility factor. So it's you know I like to let the book do the talking more than I have to do the talking. And that's ironic because what I'm selling is that I'm a, is that I talk. I'm a speaker, right? And so, but I think the book really adds that credibility. And even, you know, my first book was self-published. My second book, I went through a, a, a traditional publisher. And even those two experiences are quite different. But I'm not sure the general public notices or cares about the difference. And what would you do next time? That's a great question. I'm not 100% sure, but I can tell you that since publishing my first book in 2017, the self-publishing world has gotten a lot more impressive. Uh, you can now self-publish hardcover books, which you couldn't do when I published my first book. And I think the technology is getting a lot better. And so I would strongly consider doing it again. The challenge is that, you know, at least in both routes that I took, I realized that the marketing of the book and the selling of the book is almost entirely on my shoulders. And so then it comes down to, you know, hey, if you self-publish, you're going to make a whole lot more royalties on your book sales than if you go with a publisher. But that's the hardest part is the, is the marketing of it, is the getting it on different lists, getting it in enough people's hands to matter. That's a much bigger challenge or was than actually writing the book. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about writing the book. This was your first author experience. How was it? <laughs> How did you go about it? Well, I think with both books, um, I had, this is just how my brain works. I kind of had to write the outline first and understand what broadly what it was that I was trying to communicate. It's funny, in the second book, I created an acronym for the methodology that I was teaching. And, and I did that simply because I was watching other speakers on stage that I like and respect, and I felt like they all had an acronym. So I'm like, okay, I got to have one. <laughs> and I created Wiser, uh, which we'll get to. And what was fascinating was the very first time I talked about it on stage, I read the uh, audience feedback and everybody said, I feel wiser or I can't, use, I can't wait to use Wiser at my work. So they were saying the word back to me, which means that they got it, like that, that it was effective. So I always start with an outline on the book um, and all the things that I want to be able to say. With both books, I tell a lot of stories. Because um, I feel like that's a, it's how people like to learn. I always believe you don't have to listen to me just because I'm the one writing the book or standing on stage. I'm going to bring you stories, real stories from companies that have done this that should convince you that it's a smart thing to do. Uh, so organizing those stories into sort of, well, which part of the broader construct do they fit in? Did, um, did it make it easier for you to write from that acronym? Was the writing process also easier? Yeah, because it created five sections of the book that were very clearly delineated. And I could put all of my stories into all of the research that I found. You know, I could decide, oh, this is an interesting research point. I think it applies to the I in Wiser. Um, so it allowed, it was a sorting mechanism that I think was really helpful. 
there's more than five chapters in the book, but that just was, that's the bulk of it. That's the bulk of sort of me sharing the, the teachings of the book. So yeah, I think starting with that outline, because what happens is as you start to fill it in, I mean, when you, when you start with a blank screen and, you know, the web or your publisher are basically saying generally 50,000 words, you know, when you're starting at zero, it's really daunting. And you write a little bit and you're like, great, I'm at 300 words, you know, only 49,700 to go. But I found that as I created the outline, I started writing different stories, even if they weren't in order, but I knew I wanted to tell the story of the time that I bought the so-and-so. Once I put that story down, I'm like, oh, great, that's another 700 words. And it sort of starts to add. Yeah. And you can sit down for a couple of hours and be in the thousands and be like, okay, now I now I can actually express this as a percentage of how much this book is done, right? I'm 10% done. And I actually kept a little, um, sort of a little chart by my desk that I would color in lines as I hit certain word marks, um, which just was kind of inspiring to me to see it move and to get closer and, and all that. So in terms of marketing of that book, what were some of the initiatives that you focused on? Some of the so, the, the example I'd love to share would be actually from the second book. I wrote a book about creating remarkable experiences that people can't wait to share. And I realized that I couldn't just put that book into a yellow envelope and send it to people because that wasn't creating the kind of experience that people want to share. So I set a goal of getting the book to 100 customer experience influencers on social media. And this is a tough bar because... Um, there are people like Jay Bear who, you know, have been in the business for a while, who are known as experts, who have a, you know, much bigger social following than I have. But how could I do it in such a way that they actually wanted to share it with their audience without me having to beg them to? And so uh, the idea came to me one day when my daughter came back from a Girl Scout troop uh, event, and they had learned how to make simple circuits with a wire and a battery. And they basically learned how to turn a little light bulb on. Well, the cover of my book is, in fact, a light bulb image. And that gave me an idea. And through some trial and error, my daughter and I figured out how to insert a real light bulb into 100 copies of my book. And um, so that when you um, basically when you picked up the book, the front of the book lights up. And I then created a box that actually looked like the book. So the outside it has the front cover of the book. Um, the inside had some other light up toys and just sort of fun things like a, a yo-yo and a keychain and all that sort of stuff. But it was all this, this um, concept of the light. And the light, of course, uh, my, uh, the light on the front of the book has a CX in the middle. So it's about the idea of customer experience. Well, without me asking people, tons and tons of people shared this book on social media. They posted pictures of the book with the light. They posted GIFs. They posted videos. One guy created a 30-second long video with his 360-degree camera, taking the pictures of the book from all different angles. It had words at the bottom that said, buy Dan's book. I mean, that is the kind of advertising you can't buy when someone else is doing that for you. And so what I advise to people is, no matter who you're sending your book to or telling your book about, chances are they're inundated by hundreds of other books. And just like anything, you've got to find out, you got to figure out your way to stand out. And I always think that leaning on what your expertise is makes sense. For me, it happens to be customer experience. And so creating an experience made sense. If I was a yoga instructor, 
I might send a book with a yoga mat or with, you know, something that was related to what I'm writing about and what I'm known for to help stand out. Because a book by itself is just a book. And it, it is, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't always get people's attention in today's busy world. I'm still trying to imagine what this book looked like. <laughs> oh, with the light? Hold on a second. I think I can show you one. It sounds like an amazing idea. So I got to take the, uh, let's hope it's still working. There we I go. was going to okay. ask you which one of your strategy was the most extraordinary, but I, I, I guess this must be it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I don't know if you could see the light flashing on the front of the book. This is the actual book. This is the actual book. Yeah. And yes. we took a hundred copies. I'll show you the inside. So that's the circuit that my daughter made that has a wire and a battery. And there's there's the little light bulb. And we had to poke a hole in the book. That was the hardest part was finding a hole punch that would, would go this far into the book. And oh what's awesome about this is um, everything that all the examples that I share in the book are uh, simple, practical and inexpensive. And that comes from my work in corporate America and just knowing how hard it is to get things done. And the cost of getting the light bulb in 100 books was about $1.25 per book. And, and I always joke with and people. And about three, three months. <laughs> yeah. About three yeah. Months. <laughs> well, I always joke with people the thing that was most expensive was I had to buy pizza for the Girl Scouts because they were the ones <laughs> that actually did it. <laughs> so. Wow. So, how, so you send it to how many people? 100? I sent it to 100 influencers. I sent the book to many more people, but it was the... It was the special edition. Oh, I should have said also in the in the hundred copies, uh, there was a sticker inside that says this is a limited edition. They were hand numbered one to a hundred. So we really tried to make it special, and uh, I wanted to make the recipient feel special, like they were getting something that was different, that was unique, and that really worked. For other people, I I mean, I send out tons of copies of the book every time I meet with someone about a potential speech or or other engagement. The first thing I do is send them my book. And with that, I don't do all the bells and whistles, but I do send it in a bright blue envelope that sort of matches the color of the front of the book so that even in the mail, it stands out. It's not, an, it's not a yellow envelope or a white envelope like anything else. It, it's like, oh, wow, what's this? And I do that on purpose as well, just to, to have it stand out a little bit. So uh, can you share some of the results? How many of these 100, let's, let's talk about the 100 people first. How many of them were then giving you some kind of visibility? You know, I didn't actually count that, but I would say certainly more than half. I mean, it was, and from a marketer's perspective, you know, that's a terrific uh, That's response. a terrific number. <laughs> there were a few people that I was kind of surprised I never heard from, but for the most part, I got a tremendous response to it. And whether it was a single tweet or it was bigger than that, it, it didn't really matter. It was just I had people talking about the book, which was exactly what I wanted. So I would say that was very successful. In full disclosure, once I put the box into, or once I put the book into the special box and added all the other goodies to it and the packaging and all that, it was not inexpensive. I mean, it was a, it probably cost me fifty dollars a book, including shipping. So you figure a hundred books, you know, it's a five thousand dollar investment. That's that's not small. But I felt again like in the kickoff and launch to a book, you know, that's the time to do something spectacular. And so that's what I did. But yeah, it it definitely got people talking, and that's exactly what I wanted. So that part worked. So and how many more people did you send that that was just just that was the amazing experience of the yeah. ordinary book? 
Yeah. Uh, so that was to the influencers. Yeah. After yeah. that, I mean, I have sent out, I like to joke, I, I think I've probably given away more books than I've sold because every time I meet with somebody, I offer to send them a book. And what's interesting is people love that offer. I mean, you know, I say, hey, I'd love to send you a free copy of my book. You know, very few people say, nah, no, thanks. I'm okay. Like most of them want it. And so I have sent out, I mean, thousands of copies over the years. And I don't, it's fine with me because my belief is, that the more people that get my book in their hands, the more people there are that could hire me to speak or that could you know, hire me to consult. And that's where I really make my income. I don't make very much. You know, most authors, well, most business authors will tell you that unless you are you know, uh, writing Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like that, you are not making a whole lot of money on the book. The book is the vehicle to make money elsewhere. Um, so if I go and speak to an audience, I'll often just bring boxes of books with me, um, or I'll ask the client to pay just the cost of the book. I'm not, you know, I don't make a profit on it, but I have them just pay the cost of the book because I want to get the book in all of the audience's hands. And the audience is excited to get a free book. And then I'll sit and sign them. And, you know, my autograph is worth exactly this, except and for those that are not viewing that I put up a zero. My, my autograph isn't worth anything, but man, people really value a book that's signed by the author. So I lean into that. And I and there are times where I've sat for two hours signing books and I'm happy to do it because I'm meeting people. They're meeting me. Um, I get to talk about the book. They get a gift. So they feel like they've received value. And even though I didn't sell them the book and make you know a few dollars in profit, I feel like it has helped my business in a, in a more important way. Yeah. Would you say that your book has been the most important business strategy to build your business? I think probably yes, maybe tied with my corporate background, um, because I think that brings a lot of credibility too. But I let's put it this way. I don't think I could manage my business now without the book. I, I think the book is a must-have for what I am doing for a living. It doesn't mean it's a must-have for everybody or for every line of work, but to be a speaker, to be you know traveling the world and, and be on stages, um, to consult with large organizations, you've got to have that credibility factor. And I think the book really does that. So I do think it is one of the most important things. Okay. I guess it is in many, many cases. I, I agree with you. It's, nowadays, it's almost impossible to have a successful speaking career without a book. It's a rare phenomenon. <laughs> It is. It is. So about the back end, it is speaking engagement. Do you have other kind of revenue streams there, consultancy? Do you also have uh, courses or training or what else are you selling? Yeah, so I uh, focus mostly on speaking, but I do uh, do consulting and coaching. And the difference basically being coaching is kind of a one-on-one thing. I do have an online course. I haven't been marketing it as much lately. Um but I'll go back to it. The The whole concept that I figured out, at least in 2022, was as I was running my business, I was trying to sell too many different things. I was trying to sell speaking and coaching and the course and the book. And it watered down my ability to sell anything. And as a one-man show or a one-person show in your company, you know, you got to focus on what, you know, what has the best results. And so in 2022, I decided to only market the speaking and and figure hey if i if i once i have a relationship with somebody and i've gone and spoken for them then i can talk about the coaching and the courses and everything and the books and all that and i think that's been effective 
So the course is built on the book as well. It's sort of a deep dive into the concepts in the book, but it also helps you roll up your sleeves and kind of figure out, all right, how do I apply this to my business specifically? Yeah. So Ben, I noticed that you have quite a lot of blurbs for your book. So this tells me something about your network also, (laughs) or maybe that gimmick. (laughs) How much of a network did you have that you could actually use for your book launch and improved marketing? Yeah, I've been fortunate over the years to establish a great network of other influencers in the space. I met a lot of them at a conference in San Diego called Social Media Marketing World uh, oh, that I was at friend. for... Have you been there? <laughs> yeah, free time. Okay, yeah. So I, I spoke at it, I think, seven years in a row. And I met a lot of people there and, and people who are now dear friends and who... Um, you know, when they come out with books, I want to talk about them to my social media following and uh, my newsletter following and all that. And so we just sort of help each other out. And I, I think it's a really nice network. There's other people that were clients or that were just influential in the space that um, that also helped with blurbs. It's an interesting thing. You know, it's a, you're really asking somebody for something, you're not giving them a whole lot in return. It's just, it's one of those times where you just have to ask and, uh, and and hope that people will help you. Uh, you know, most people are very, very uh, willing. A few say, hey, can you write me a few blurbs and I'll pick one because I don't really have time to write one. Okay, that's fine. But I do think it's an important piece because again, it's all, I keep saying the word credibility, but that's really what it comes down to. And so, you know, picking Jay to write the forward of my first book, picking Anne Hanley to write the forward of my last book, um, that adds credibility too, because they have incredible networks and incredible credibility themselves. So getting their name on my book is is really helpful. And it's the same with the blurbs. So if you were to publish your first book now and you were not this established, what would be your recommendation for a new author? I would still reach out to people that you'd like to be, have associated with your book. I wrote a foreword for an author in Italian. Now, I don't speak Italian and I don't write Italian. So to be fair, I wrote it in English and he translated it for me. But it was a book on customer service in social media. And he knew that, that, that I was an expert in that field. And so he reached out and I was flattered and, and happy to help. So I think you just have to ask. I think also you can ask people that you know who work at companies, because when you see a a company name on there that adds credibility as well. So you could ask former bosses, former employers, current employers. And so it's as long as it's not like a family member, <laughs> I think you can ask anybody and and look, you won't get 100% yeses, but I think if you look at your network, just go on to LinkedIn today and look at who you're connected to and you're going to find tons of people who would be great to write a blurb for a book. And before we end, are there any more marketing strategies that you would recommend? I know you have you have your two podcast show or a LinkedIn live show and a podcast. Yeah, and I do. Um, I mean, it's all sort of part of the broad world that I've tried to create, uh, where I create a lot of content, video content, audio content, written content. I blog every week. I send out a newsletter. You know, one thing that I've done over the you know, now almost a year since the last book came out is I've slowly published pieces of the book as blogs. And, um, and, and I do that because I know it's good content. I don't have to, re- I don't have to reinvent the wheel because it's already written. 
And over time, no one's going to actually realize that I have, you know, over 20 blogs basically published the book again. Like it's just, that's not what people think about. But if at any point somebody reads it and at the bottom it says, this is an excerpt from the experience maker. And they say, man, I really liked this blog. I'm going to go buy the book. Then that's been effective. I also, you know, try to publicize when uh, the book wins awards or other types of things, because I feel like that's third party validation. It is, you know, it's a fine line because I don't like to talk about myself or to look like I'm bragging in any way. Um, but at the same time, when a third party comes out and calls it one of the top 100 customer experience books of all time, I want to tell people about that because that sounds pretty good. And so I, when that stuff happens, it is, uh, you know, that provides additional spots to do marketing. I've also taken the blurbs from the book and put everyone into a tweet separately and tagged the person who did the blurb, right? I already know that they support me. So I can take their blurb, I can put it as a tweet, tag them, and guess what happens? They're going to probably retweet it or they're going to like it or they're going to comment on it. And so um, that's been pretty effective as well. Uh, that's a great strategy too. So final question. <laughs> what did I not ask you <laughs> that I should have? Uh, no. Well, if there's anything else you think feel that you would like to share, that you're welcome to do that. But otherwise, I'd like to you to offer you to just present your book. So why should people go by, I suppose, primarily the last book or both of them, maybe? Why should they go by the book? Sure. Well, in answer to your first question, I would say just start writing. Even if you write a blog or two blogs, start with that. What I found is that a lot of my blogs ended up, I ended up being able to take, uh, so I just told you about taking the book and turning it into a blog. I also took the blogs and put them into a book, right? So a number of my blogs said the point really well of what I wanted to say in the book. And so I was able to pick up the blog and and put it into the book. And so when I was saying before about the 50,000 words being overwhelming, Just find ways to start small and, you know, write a seven, 800 word blog and you'll find, wow, that wasn't that hard. And now I can use this in my book. As to my book, um, The Experience Maker, How to Create Remarkable Experiences That Your Customers Can't Wait to Share. It's really for anyone that uh, works for an organization that has customers. And by the way, the word customer is interchangeable with the word client or the word patient or member or whatever it is that you call or um, uh, guest is another one. Uh, These are all customers. And really, the book is about finding the opportunities in the customer journey to stand out, to create experiences that make people stop in their tracks, that make them say, wow, that was different. I didn't expect that. Um, I've been in a hundred bookstores all over the world, but Wugan Books in Taiwan, that's different. And I've done, you know, uh, I've ordered from all sorts of uh, online retailers, but when I had to make a return at Chewy.com, that was different. And what I love about that is all of these stories people can learn from no matter what industry they're in. You may not be in the pet supplies industry or the bookstore industry, but the stories that I tell you in the book, you're going to find that there's takeaways for your business. And a big piece of advice that I always give to people in any business is that if you're looking for inspiration, if you were looking to do something different, extraordinary, the last place you should look is your direct competitors because they're probably doing exactly what you're doing. Look at other industries, look completely outside your comfort zone. Um, If you're in banking and financial services, look at amusement parks and restaurants and movie theaters. 
Don't look at other banks because that's not where you're going to find the inspiration. So that's what I hope people get out of the book. Yeah. And I, 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 th- I think that probably the last thing I would have expected from this interview was that Girl Scouts would be the inspiration of the most genius marketing strategy. <laughs> uh, I, I, I thank the Girl Scouts uh, profoundly for that. It was um, such a fun project. And um, I guess the message there is good ideas can come from anywhere. And had my daughter not come home from that project and, you know, shown me what she had done, it would have never given me the idea. So be willing to find ideas anyway. Yeah, you have certainly shared some great ideas here. Thank you so much. So well, thanks for can, having me. I appreciate it. Where can people go learn more about you then? Uh, best place is my website, dangingis.com. It's D-A-N-G-I-N-G-I-S-S.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Twitter at dgingis. You can catch me there too. Thank you so much, Dan. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. If you want to know more about Dan, you can go to his website, dangingis.com, and it is spelled G-I-N-G-I-S-S. And you can also find him on all of your favorite social media. So see you in the next episode. That's it for today's episode. If you want to know more about Dan, you can go to his website, dangingis.com, and it is spelled G-I-N-G-I-S-S. And you can also find him on all of your favorite social media. So see you in the next episode.